Hey guys, I'm Norman. And I'm Cassandra. If you enjoy this show, and we hope you do, consider checking out Second Breakfast, our weekend edition podcast exclusively for Patreon supporters. Where we discuss things mostly related to Lord of the Rings, including cast filmographies, the Silmarillion, and much more. For $5 a month, you'll get access to this and other Patreon-exclusive Dueling Genre content. Head over to DuelingGenre.com support to find out more, and thank you very much for listening. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring, one threatening glance at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us today, we have Cleolinda Jones. Hey, guys. We're going to talk about Galadriel. Um, (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about Minute 164, which starts with the ring uh, around Frodo's neck kind of popping out from his shirt being pulled toward the water and ends with uh galadriel saying you offer it to me freely and frodo kind of just standing there with the ring in his hand so the first line and the last line in this minute to me are both very threatening in different ways yes because the first minute is like very openly like this is real dangerous Mm -hmm. and the end of it is predatory yeah, it's that whole cat and mouse thing again. Yeah. You offer it to me freely. The way she's, the way she has such presence, the way that she delivers that line. Mm-hmm. The interesting way about, you know, she says you offer it to me freely. That kind of implies she was, she imagined a scenario where he didn't offer it freely. And there was a multiverse of options where maybe she took it from him or which we basically see one of those, but like it was on her mind that at some point it would not be a free offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, I get chills, little chills just watching that (laughs) moment. There's some, I don't know. There's just something so, so threatening about the way she says you offer it to me freely when she steps towards him. It's a um it's an interesting dynamic between this scene and how it is in the book because Frodo says I will give you the one ring if you ask for it it's too great a matter for me and she her response is to laugh and she she says wise the lady galadriel may be yet here she has met her match in courtesy gently are you revenged for my testing of your heart at our first meeting so it's kind of like she was testing him and now he, without knowing it, is testing her. And she's like, well, all right, I guess this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> she seems more lighthearted and self-deprecating. A lot of the stuff that seems so threatening in the movie, in the book, I hear it more as self-deprecating. Yeah. And laughing at herself a little bit. Much more low-key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you really needed to play this as threatening in the movie, though, because this is a very slow part of the narrative that we need to have a threat here to keep the like action going. Mm-hmm. 
And she's so good that I don't care. I'm like, just however you want to do this is yeah. fine. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I also, I like at the beginning of this minute too, the way it looks like Frodo is almost thrown to the ground by the magic of the mirror. Well, he like, he, he grabs the ring and like yanks himself back. It's almost like a weird like cartoon mime thing like he, or like, like the ring is so heavy and when he put throws himself off balance it just throws him to the ground because yeah. he only feels any real weight from the ring when he feels the presence of sauron mm. well when the ring gets or the pull of sauron is that strong yeah yeah, yeah. magnets and I, I think that the way that the beginning <laughs> of this minute work? is played off right? the way that the beginning of this minute is played off i think adds the idea that maybe in that moment sauron really could perceive the ring Maybe he couldn't even really see Frodo, but he's just like, oh, the ring. Yeah. But he does say, I see you. The eye says, I see Again? you. Yeah, the eye says, I see you. Oh, I think I missed that. I just always remember the really, really big, iconic, I see you one. Well, because that one's really loud. <laughs> yeah. This one is kind of like clouded behind the like rippling and uh, burning sound effects. Mm. I don't know, man. Just there's something so cartoony about a big giant eye saying, I see you. <laughs> I really like the way that she looks at him before she says, I know what it is you saw. That is a look. It is a look. Like it it's almost like she's looking at a dead guy. Not a dead guy, but she's just like just glancing at him and almost kind of scheming, like like her eyes are narrowed and she's not really quite sure what to think about it yet, but she's also kind of planning her next move almost. I don't know. I've never thought it looked so, I've never thought that that look right before she speaks looks schemy. I've always thought that it looked like, I don't know, like disdainful because of Sauron's image in the mm -hmm. mirror. She's like, oh, that guy again. It's a literal side eye. I mean, right. it's an actual, I had that cropped as my live journal icon for a really long time, <laughs> like a, a blue toned version of it. Uh, it was one of my, my favorite icons. I, it, it's a definite kind of like, yeah, that definitely happened. You know, mm -hmm. I, I know, I know what you saw. I don't know. That look to me just makes her seem that much more dangerous. Yeah, she definitely seems more dangerous. She looks, like. she looks like a villain. Yep. When she looks at him like that, yeah. Which I think she's is not a really, smirking. No, it's a really interesting choice because I mean, in order for a scene to be interesting, there has to be some kind of conflict. Otherwise, it, there's no point to it. Right. So I understand why they chose to make Galadriel more powerful and more threatening. Yeah. Than she comes across in the source material, but this almost seems like like really scary like we're supposed to be scared of the presence of sauron but galadriel being that she's here and like immediately in front of him and is not just a floating eye and like a like a bird bath right. like <laughs> she can do what she wants basically yeah and that makes it more scary right and i think that i think that this moment says a lot about frodo and how he hasn't grown yet from the beginning of the story because the first time he perceives someone more powerful than him again, he tries to give them the ring. 
Right. Like he did with Gandalf. Yeah, he keeps trying to pawn it off to people. Someone who's more powerful and wiser than him, older and has a better idea, he's immediately just like, you can have this. Yeah. This is this is yours. I'm going to make this your problem. So, like, this is a moment where we see that Frodo still hasn't grown yet. Despite, like, you know, it's two and a half hours, over two and a half hours into the movie. And our main character has yet to really change. Well, and I think what's about to happen know. in the very next minute shows him why he shouldn't do that. It yeah. And what right. he could yeah. become. So maybe that's part of the learning that he, he is about to have, but has not had yet. Right. right. Like I, I'm not casting that as like a negative on this story overall. Mm-hmm. I just oh, no. think it's in, I just think that it's interesting to point out that this moment is showing us that Frodo hasn't really learned what it is he needs to learn about the ring yet. Well, I think it also illustrates like we keep talking about Frodo's innocence. Yeah. But that is all like not like or not even innocence, just like um inexperience or naivete. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, well, you're more powerful than me. Boromir's not going to take try and take the ring from you. Right. Like, I'm three feet tall, and you are thousands of years I'm, old. Right, I'm three feet tall, and he could pull my head off. Right. Like, he's, like, fireman carried me, like, before, so I know that he can just, like, pick me up and walk off with me if he wants to. So here, you can have this, because right. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. I also think him seeing the Shire also brings that quality back in him. The uh, the only reference to the scouring of the Shire in the trilogy. Yeah. I was so sad that they didn't really do it, but I know why they didn't. Yeah. And I understand it just like I understand why Bombadil's not there, even though I wanted to see (laughs) both of them on the big screen. I just... I just really wanted to see the scouring of the Shire. I remember when Return of the King was coming out, and I was just like, oh, man, I hope it's there, and then it's not... I kind of get it because in a way, I mean, other than the obvious reasons they didn't do it, she says these are things that may come to pass. And it's like we get to see a little bit of it and he's managed to avert it by mm-hmm. making better choices. I, I like that. I mean, I, the real problem is that, you know, they say that Peter Jackson had too many endings. Can you imagine if he'd left the scouring on? I mean, that would have been right. That would have been a a problem but that movie would have been four hours long like the theatrical cut there would have been at least another like 45 minutes on the movie just a fourth movie of endings just just an entire fourth movie oh god let's just (laughs) can we just just make a scouring of the shire short film and release it alongside on the dvd i mean (laughs) that would have been burn it once right (laughs) how many times are you gonna burn the shire down well i mean like they they could have done it at the time and then released it as a special feature that would have been cool. I think the like the whole point of the scouring of the Shire, though, is also illustrated already by what's happening in Isengard. So that would be redundant, I think, because it's about yeah. like the industrialization of. Right, whatever. and I suppose like in a in a book, it's it it works better because there's so much more time in between when we saw the breaking of Isengard right. to the scouring of the Shire. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the book it's also like tying up the loose end of Saruman being alive, right? And Saruman, that I don't doesn't know. happen in these movies, right? Yeah, and it it's about Saruman's pettiness when he's laid low, and it it says a lot more about like Saruman and just the evil of someone with power losing their power. Mm-hmm. So I, it it has a lot of interesting things to say about Saruman that's unnecessary in the movie version, right? I don't know. 
I like this moment a lot. I like Frodo just trying to pawn the ring off on people. It's just, just I just imagine like some parody version of this where it's like literally every single person Frodo comes across. He's like, hey, do you want this? He just keeps trying to lose it and then it just keeps winding up in his pocket. Right. It's like the remote and click. <laughs> I regret that I didn't think of this when I wrote about it in the book because I, I don't think I did. I don't remember very much of when I wrote this up. I remember that like every three seconds I had Frodo fall down. Like just Aww. <laughs> and and Frodo falls down. Just like as an aside, like not even a big thing, just and he and he falls down. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not surprised that when he manages to pull out of this vision he he falls down. There's not a down that he could not fall. <laughs> he has never met a down that he could not fall. Right? I mean we've seen him fall off a cliff. We've seen him fall when he tries to jump on the ferry. We've seen him fall here. We've my seen him favorite, fall on Moria. My favorite Frodo falling down thing is still when the, the squid grabs his legs and he like flails and <laughs> <laughs> falls over. So you just stepped on a banana? Yeah. Oh, poor Frodo. And Frodo falls down. <laughs> he needs a, what is that? Life alert? Right. Help us fallen. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. I feel bad for him. Oh, poor Elijah Wood. He was apparently so nervous to film with Kate Blanchett. I would be too. Are you kidding me? And uh, I don't, he talks a little bit about it on the cast commentary, just being so nervous and so unable to like do what he wanted to do in the scene, and mm. like in a reasonable number of takes. I mean, look at this literal goddess with right? her like gossamer gown, and, and how patient like, she was with oh, him. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it kind of works for the character. <laughs> right? I mean, it comes it comes through. Mm-hmm. It comes through a lot. Like, his real, like, anxiety of working with someone so talented when he's so young. Yeah. And it helps. It helps the moment. I think it also, maybe it helps her, like, her kind of, like, looking down on Frodo. Mm-hmm. In, when she's not threatening in almost a motherly kind of way. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's, like, a, a an under current of like this this being is small and i i want to protect him too which we also get from boromir and aragorn like this this is a small man i shall protect him a bitty baby i gotta take care of it like once they realize how pure-hearted he is and just like oh muffin this poor puppy he can't (laughs) look at him going out into the world like this he's trying to give the ring to anyone We can't let him do that, but we also have to make sure he's okay. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, at least, like, Gandalf and Galadriel are smart enough to be like, no, don't give me that. <laughs> well, Gandalf straight up is like, nah, do not, do not do that. And Galadriel is like, well, maybe. <laughs> let me show you what will happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because Gandalf's outright refusal uh, also kind of shows that maybe Gandalf is stronger than her. Which, I mean... In theory, he is anyway, because he's a Maiar. Right, because he's, he's like not an elf. A different being. Yeah. He's he's the next step up in the food chain. The food chain. <laughs> it goes like it goes dwarves. The cosmic and then food chain. It's like dwarves and then hobbits and then men and then elves and then Maiar and then Valar and then God. Mm. Like But what's interesting is that he still seems to know that it would still be a really bad thing if he got it. Like yes, yes yeah. he's not so strong that it wouldn't corrupt him. The only, uh, the only person or being in the books that everyone agrees the ring wouldn't corrupt is Tom. Yeah, Tom Bombadil. Because he's like, oh, this is cool. 
toss it up in the air, play with it like a yo-yo, give it back. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> I think it's interesting that sh- that he is able to communicate telepathically with her. Well, okay. So- because like prior to this, it's just been her speaking, like projecting her voice into people's brains and everyone freaking out Which is out just about so it. jarring. Yeah. I like that this conversation is not really a conversation. It's just like a, I mean, it is a conversation, but it's not happening right. verbally. Right. Because wouldn't your first thought, like if you were a stranger to this, and the, wouldn't your first thought, if you heard someone's voice in your mind and you knew it was their voice, wouldn't your first thought be, oh God, what else can you find in there? Yeah. <laughs> but he's so pure. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what, either he doesn't have anything he doesn't want her to see, or it doesn't even occur to him. It's... <laughs> Doesn't I mean, even occur to him she would. I mean, if she can project into your mind, then in theory she can read your mind. So this telepathy is just Frodo thinking and probably not even realizing he's not speaking because of like the the tense, like the, the tension of the moment. Mm-hmm. His thought is just like, I'll give you this. Like, that's the only thought. I'll give on you his... this if you leave me alone. <laughs> right. That's the only thought on his mind, like in this moment is I don't want this. You can have it. Mm hmm. And I think that's interesting, like, to interpret it that way, that it's not that he's actively trying to tell her, you can have this, I'll, I'll give this to you freely. It's just that's the only thought on his mind yeah. after seeing Sauron again. Do not want. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we just kind of see it through the lens of this nice sentence. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to screw this up. I, I am small. S-M-O-L. I am small. And... <laughs> And I I can't handle this. I know my limitations. Please take this. You mm-hmm. seem like you understand what's going on. You seem like you've got it under control. Please take this from me. You seem like a nice lady, mostly. Right. <laughs> I hope you're a nice lady. Probably. Are you going to eat me? Oh. I can't tell if he somehow perceives that she's truly on the side of good, or he's just not worried about it. <laughs> Like, he's just too scared to care. Seem, just please, back away slowly, hands mm-hmm. behind my head. Look, you can have it. <laughs> right? Because this is this is so much more threatening than the way that like Boromir's scene plays off when he kind of picks up the ring. Yeah. This is so much more threatening, and Frodo is like, "No, she can have it." Well, because Boromir is being drawn to the ring, I think Galadriel is being drawn to the ring and Frodo. Yeah. Which is why I think. It's a little more threatening. And Frodo's like, "Uh, back away. (laughs) I mean, this whole thing, too, like, even up to now, really does continue to play, like, a scene with, like, an oracle in a Greek tragedy Mm -hmm. to me. Where, like, she's worried about what the future is based on what she's seen, but she still feels this need to make sure that someone else understands this and, like, how bad this could get. Yeah. And, like, not sure what it is she can or should do about it. Well, I mean, an oracle's job is just to relay the message, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, in general. Yeah. So, but Galadriel's, I mean, she's, she's much more than that. Yes, Galadriel's so. very powerful uh, in ways that are never fully explained. I like that there's still mystery to her. Yes, I do too. I wish that there was like more about Galadriel in general, though. Because she's one of the one of the most powerful elves, but there's not a lot written about her in mm. the the other works by Tolkien. The way that there's so much about Elrond and Elrond's family. Well, isn't she um, his favorite character? Yeah, 
Galadriel is like Tolkien's favorite. Well, but he didn't write a whole lot about her. Write some more about her then. No, I'm like, <laughs> you know, and maybe, I mean, she's my favorite too. And maybe part of what's so great about her is that so much of it is just implied. And the mystery about her is kind of what's great. But no, I mean, I remember kind of the thumbnail sketch of the rebellion and the Noldor and Princess of Amman and all of this. And you're kind of like, wait, no, tell me how that happened. Mm-hmm. How did we get to this person from someone who, what? How did, Okay. <laughs> Because, I mean, she fought in the wars of the First Age. Maybe, like, maybe he didn't write about her as much because he already knew so much about her in his mind. And yeah. like, I feel like a lot of these writings were him trying to puzzle everything out. Right, like the parallels between, like, Lorfindel and Gandalf. Right, yeah. yeah. So maybe, like, it's all just brainstorming. And he's like, well, Galadriel, you know. I She's know already perfectly about- formed in my right. mind. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't need to write about her. I, I know everything about her. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. She's cool, though. <laughs> she is cool. And she lo- and Kate Blanchett loved being Galadriel. She loved her ears, apparently, more than anything else. <laughs> and loved them so much that Richard Taylor and the, and the Weta people had bronze casts of her real ears and her elf ears made and gave the two sets to her as a gift when she left. Aww. In, her like, a nice ears, wooden box with, like, her velvet. Her real ears are a little, are a little creepy, but... That's really cute, too. <laughs> it's like, look, my ears. <laughs> right. She's like, apparently she, like, loved them, like, her elf ears, and, like, walked around the set, showing them off, constantly brushing her hair back around her <laughs> elven ears. I mean, like, when I was really, really, really getting into Lord of the Rings, I wanted to be an elf more than anything, so I can relate. Right. Relatable. <laughs> Just wandering around the set in her flowy dress, yes. showing off her elf ears what to else everyone. What are you supposed to do? Right. Well, in between takes, like I would be twirling around. <laughs> I mean, I have a picture of her somewhere in in my Galadriel pin board somewhere, uh, from the Hobbit movies where she's twirling around in her dress. Oh, that's so precious. <laughs> what else do you do when you're given something so beautiful to right. walk around? She's in? like, yes, I get to do this again. <laughs> I bet she was very happy. I hope so. <sighs> She's another one of the actors, though, in that movie that you look at and you're just like, oh, I can tell this was this is so much later than the original trilogy. I mean, her face is so hazy and stuff in this initial one. So it's not that bad. I mean, and that's not to say that it's like awful. It's just one of the people you can look at and like really tell the time is fast. It's been 15 years. Uh, Ian McKellen is hiding behind pretty much an entire face mask. So you can't tell as much with him. (laughs) But I think that wraps up this minute. Yeah, I think it does. Um, so we're from the website duelinggenre.com uh, we have a Facebook listener group if you'd like to check that out called Fellowship of the Mic um, and if you have a minute and you use iTunes please leave us a 5 star review and we will appreciate you forever <laughs> um, <laughs> forever yeah uh, thank you for joining us again today and uh, special thanks to our Patreon associate producers Leaper182 and Ed Foster I hope everyone has a good Thursday Tomorrow with Bye. Bye.
genre.